If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 tonight. We want to look at verses 6 through 9. Dangerous apostates is what I've titled the message here. Why don't we have a word of prayer and then we'll get into our study. Lord, we do thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. do pray that you keep everybody safe coming and going, uh, winter weather. But uh, again, we thank you for the privilege. pray that you would bless the Iwana Youth Group Ministries ongoing tonight. And uh, just uh, thank you for the word of God. Uh, minister to our hearts as we study what you have to say to us, especially in relationship to Paul's last words here, the last book he wrote, uh, making a, the point he wants to make, help us to... Uh, Glean from the text that which you would have us to see. So we commit our study to you now. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, we note the theme here is uh, loyalty, uh, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we've worked our way down to chapter 3, charge to biblical separation, continuing on in the word. Uh, we noted uh, last time uh, there's a tremendous emphasis here on truth in 2 Timothy. And it's like Paul, as, a, as an old man now, is handing the baton of truth onto his disciple, onto his protege, the, his uh, disciple in the Lord, uh, Timothy. And uh, he has a warning here in terms of the last days. Second Timothy 3 and 4 really go together, but he begins that section by saying, chapter 3, verse 1, but know this, you need to know this, it's important to know this. Well, what? That in the last days, perilous times will come. Not going to be easy. Dangerous times. What makes them so dangerous? Do you remember? Climate change. Oh, no, that's not what it says. <laughs> what is it? False teacher. False teacher. Apostasy. Uh, for the next, you know, four verses, verses two through five, he's describing apostasy. And so uh, note, uh, just as a summary statement here, <clears throat> what makes the last days of the church age so perilous is apostasy. In 2 Timothy 2, 3 2 through 5, Paul is 18 characteristics that will define last days apostates, starting with people being lovers of themselves, self, 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 it's all about me, and ending with them being lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He then says, in spite of their flagrant ungodly living, yet they will have a form of godliness. Uh, you know, we're Christian. They can have a form, go through the outward motions, but they deny its life-changing power. So uh, this sets us up for where we are going tonight in terms of our, our study here. Now, uh, he's describing the, the effects now of really false teachers and those they influence. And he starts out with those they influence first, and then he'll get to the false teachers. But uh, let's read verses 6 and 7, uh, those that are led astray in the context of last day's apostasy. Uh, you can see why they're led astray as, as he is describing them here. But let's read uh, verses 6 and 7. Who wants to read that? 6 and 7. Okay, Albert. <clears throat> Okay, uh, of this sort, of what sort? Well, 
of the sort that he has just described in the previous four verses, right? Uh, the apostates, uh, last day's apostasy. These are people that are Christian in name only. Uh, they have a form of godliness, but there's no life change. They deny the power that really relates to godliness. And so this really relates to what I, you know, I've, I've beat this drum for a long time, and I'm probably going to continue to beat it until I die or the Lord comes, one of the two. But I, I beat this drum as far as the dangers of easy believism, which says you can be a believer and have an unchanged life. You can be a believer, and it doesn't have to affect your life at all. It's sad when that becomes a doctrine of the church, which it became a major doctrine in evangelicalism. Uh, I also call this the lordless gospel, which says, you know, hey, uh, I can have a savior. I have hell, uh, fire insurance from hell, but, you know, Jesus doesn't have anything to do with running my life. Uh, he can be my savior, not my lord. I don't see, I see it as a package, lord and savior goes together. Uh, you got, this is what we're talking about of this sort that tie into easy believism, really, that we've just described. It doesn't matter how they live, they still have a form of godliness. Uh, of this sort are, are those who creep into households. This is the biblical definition of a creep, okay? They're creeps. They creep into houses. Now, um, I'll get to this, but it almost seems prophetic to me uh, that how they creep into houses. And I'll talk about this. But uh, the idea here is they, they deceitfully sneak in. They creep in. They subtly uh, get their way in here. Yeah, that's why I say this is a biblical definition of creeps. Uh, Kenneth Wiest uh, says this. By trickery, stealth, under false pretenses, they insinuate themselves into the homes of people. Boy, that's, that's, that's pretty effective. You get into homes? How do you get into homes? Uh, you know, I, I just don't invite everybody into my house. How about you? I mean, you're going to have to be, you know, pretty tricky to get in there. <laughs> they are. Uh, of this sort, they, they creep into households. Uh, these are predators, uh, spiritual predators, calculated, cunning, slick. Uh, they're, they're good at what they do. Uh, and they come in to take advantage, especially of vulnerable women, as he goes on to say. And I think men are involved too here. But there is an emphasis here on, on women, and we'll get to this in terms of why I think that is. Uh, you know what's interesting? Sometimes uh, uh, salespeople prefer to talk to women than men. I don't know why that is. But uh, I guess they think they're going to be a little more susceptible or something. But uh, anyway, um, notice uh, they creep in. And uh, this is characteristic of false teachers. Second Peter chapter 2, there, as there were false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in. So again, they don't come saying, you know, I'm a false teacher and I don't make any bones about it. No, they come in secretly. Sneaky, creep, uh, secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the tr way of truth will be blasphemed. Uh, they're a terrible testimony for the, for the way of truth. But notice by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. They, they seek to take advantage of God's people. And he says, for a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. So that's where they're headed, ultimately, for destruction. But uh, they, they creep in. Now, they creep into households. Where, you know, the commentators talk about how, how maybe could they creep in. Perhaps, uh, you know, lots of times the women would be at home during the day. The men would be at work, and maybe they're not going to travel and say, I don't know what the, how they're getting in. 
but uh, they're getting in somehow, and especially in relationship to, to gullible women, as he goes on to say uh, in the verse. But uh, I think, you know how I think they creep into households today, the number one way? Threw the meat right on. Bingo, you're the winner. <laughs> I think that is so true. How do false teachers, by and large, come in today? Coming through the media, coming through TV, through um, you know, the, the Internet, through the computer, whatever. Uh, and, and they have a tremendous audience right there. Every day, people are listening to them. And they, little by little, worm their way into the hearts and minds of people in a deceptive way uh, as far as their false teaching. So that's why I say this almost seems prophetic, in a sense, in terms of where we're living at in the last days. I don't know that it really, I think there was application in Paul's day. But there is certainly a, a, a tremendous application where we live today as far as creeping into houses, creeping into households. Uh, Let's see here. Somebody has well said that uh, Satan is properly called the prince of the power of the air, talking about the airwaves and so forth, you know. Um, but uh, note here in Jude, again, this idea of creeping in. Uh, Jude 4, certain men have crept in. Again, creeps. They've crept in unnoticed. They creep in in a sneaky way, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. So they, they teach a form of grace, which is really a license to sin. doesn't matter how we really live. Grace covers it. Easy believism again. doesn't matter how we live. Uh, turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They have a, they have a lordship problem. But again, they, they, they creep in unnoticed. How do these people get in unnoticed? When we all notice them, we say, oh, yeah, we all see you back there. <laughs> Not really. They're sneaky. They have great personalities. They come off friendly and, you know, charismatic and lovable and you know, just care about everybody. I'm very deceitful. They creep in. Look at that word creep. Of this sort are those who creep. And he's just said this right after saying they still have a form of godliness. I mean, they got some outward veneer here. They got Christianese, you know. I mean, they, they act like they're Christian. Hmm. Boy, danger. There's a reason he's warning here in relationship to the last days in particular. So they creep into households and make captives of gullible women. Uh, make captives of gullible women. Not all, but this is especially vulnerable to these people, it seems to me. Um, these false teachers target women in particular. Satan's strategy from the very beginning is always targeted women in particular and through uh, the woman seeks to wreak havoc on, on the whole race. We go back to Genesis. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So we know Satan's strategy very clearly. I mean, he targeted the woman there. You say, well, boy, you know, this sounds uh, sexist or something. Well, it sounds biblical. That's <laughs> what it is. And Satan knows what he's doing. He's very good at it. Uh, Note it carefully. Satan's attempt to bring down the human race uniquely targeted the woman. And he's very successful at it. Now, indeed, the man, Adam, is ultimately held responsible. Definitely. Uh, but the point here is how Satan works. His strategy has not changed. History repeats itself. This is William McDonald's. History repeats itself. Satan approached Eve in the Garden of Eden and deceived her. She usurped authority over her husband, making the decision that should have been left to him. Uh, Satan's methods ha have not changed. And uh, so I'm into that. And I think this is what's being reflected here 
make captives. The idea of a captive is, is you bring one under your control. Mind control, I think, here is the idea. Uh, influence them in that sense. Uh, make captives uh, of gullible women. Really, really, the Greek here more literally says little women. Uh, in the sense that they're weak is the, is the picture here. Uh, gullible women uh, who are vulnerable. Uh, I don't think they're believers. And, and he goes on to describe them here. Uh, loaded down with sins, led away with various lusts. Got all kinds of problems going on here. And so they're vulnerable. Um, they're weak, and uh, they're, they can be taken advantage of. Uh, these women are impressionable and easily swayed by false teachers because they are loaded down with sins, led away with various lusts. This renders them very vulnerable to false teachers who come along and say, I have just the fix for you to make you feel better. You don't have to repent. There's no repentance here at all. Uh, their message is not that. You don't have to repent. Let's talk about victimology. Let's talk about self-esteem. Let's talk about life enhancement. Oh, yeah, that sounds really good. I'm, I'm all about it. So they're led away, as he says. Uh, very self-oriented, the way it seems to me. Uh, instead of people uh, calling on people to deny self, they emphasize self-enhancement. Masses of people follow them. Today we see this in the prosperity gospel, in the health, wealth, and feel-good gospel. As Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, next chapter, uh, these people... Uh, according to their own lust, heap up for themselves teachers. They have all kinds of teachers. It's all self-oriented stuff that strokes the ego. Uh, I mean, it's not God-oriented. It's self-oriented, and, and they're vulnerable to this. Uh, being led away with various lusts. Uh, again, we have here uh, Homer Kent, Jr. Uh, this type of woman, perhaps neurotic and depressed by the guilt of sin, is easily led astray by religious quacks who may satisfy the desire desire for some sort of religion uh, without demanding the abandonment of sin. I think that's true. So they bring some sort of religion. I mean, this is, uh, they're religious teachers here. That's the context here. They have a form of godliness. Uh, so they have some form of religiosity about them, and yet uh, they, they lead astray. They're led away by, by various, various lusts. Um, it's all about felt needs. It's all about uh, the emotions. It's all about feel good. Uh, it's a, it's a self-oriented, um, you know, man-centered orientation instead of God-centered orientation. Okay, notice he continues on there. Always learning. Wow, these people are learning. They're, they're, they're not dumb people. They're always learning. They're always into some new novel thing. It's always amazing. The church follows after this fad, after that fad, this new idea, that new idea. Uh, it's all about better living. You know, your best life now, uh, that kind of concept. Um, Liberty Bible commentary. One of the strange phenomena of our day is the great number of women going to all kinds of Bible studies and religious meetings who seem to gravitate to strange doctrines and unorthodox ideas. You know, all Bible studies are not good. In fact, Christian bookstores may be one of the most dangerous places on the planet. Now, there's good stuff there, but you've you got to kind of know what you're looking for. There's all kinds of heresy there as well. Uh, always learning. It's not that they don't learn things. They're always into novel ideas, new ideas. Uh, let me put this spin on that for you. Uh, today I was reading an article, Christian Magazine. And this guy is trying to emphasize, you know, uh, common ground with Darwinism. And he's got a book out here. 
and uh, saying, you know, I think we've got some common ground here. We, we can, I'm sitting there, oh my goodness, throw this magazine away. It's not a magazine I would ever recommend. In fact, I get this uh, magazine just to keep on the latest heresies, and it's a Christian magazine. Anyway, craziness. Um, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What a description. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In all their learning, they never get to the real truth of God. Uh, knowledge of the truth for Paul is really shorthand for the gospel. Uh, we see uh, this in lots of places. But uh, Paul consistently uses this language, knowledge of the truth, in relationship to gospel truth that people must know in order to be saved. First uh, Timothy 2.4, speaking of God who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're going to be saved, you have to come to the knowledge of the truth. You have to know what the truth is and you have to believe it. You have to accept it. You have to appropriate it. Uh, in 2.25, Paul says we ought to, in, in humility, correct those in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. They need to change their mind and line up with God's truth. That's, that's called repentance, a change of mind about the truth. Uh, and they need to come to that point. But these never get there. Um, again, I really think we got a lordship problem. <clears throat> the knowledge of the truth in context here emphasizes lordship truth of Jesus Christ. Recall again that in chapter 2, Paul says, the seal of God involves calling on the name of the Lord and departing from iniquity, and that the people of God are those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The whole crux of 3, 1 through 5 is people who have an outward form of godliness, but in reality completely reject the lordship authority of Christ in their life. Uh, that, that is the, the, the key issue there. They, they never really come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, uh, we note in uh, 2 Peter 2, 1, which we read earlier, there are false prophets among the people. There will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. What's their problem? Even denying the Lord. They have a lordship problem, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. But I note this, uh, denying the Lord, and yet they're secretly bringing in these des destructive heresies. Got a lordship problem. Jude 4, <clears throat> men have crept in unnoticed, long ago marked out for this condemnation on godly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness. Again, deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, these people have a lordship problem. That's what I consistently see here with these people. Uh, okay, so there, to me, it seems about life enhancement issues, but they never really come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. Uh, the word knowledge, by the way, here is epigenosis. Uh, gnosis is knowledge, but when you add the uh, preposition epi to it, it intensifies it. So the idea is deeper knowledge, deep knowledge, uh, the idea of personal appropriation uh, of, the, of the truth, the knowledge of the truth. Uh, William MacDonald says this verse also makes us think of the vast present-day increase in knowledge in every realm of human endeavor, the tremendous emphasis on education so prevalent in modern-day life, and yet the abysmal failure of it all to bring people to the knowledge of the truth. Boy, that's true. I mean, we have more accumulative knowledge in, ever before in the history of the world. I mean, even at the tip of your finger... Uh, do you not have that on your cell phone? You have a question. You ask the phone the question, and it tells you an answer instantly, right? I do that all the time. Uh, tremendous advancement in knowledge, and yet really missing God's truth, which is eternal truth, 
which is the truth that will set you free. The truth is found in Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate issue. And so what do we find? We find these creeps coming into houses, vulnerable people, vulnerable women being led astray. Yes, they're learning, okay, they're locked into this teacher, and they're teaching and teaching and teaching, but they never get there. They miss the, they miss the knowledge of the truth. They miss God's truth. What in a terrible, terrible situation. Well, this is going to be characteristic of last day's perilous times. That's what we have. I think this is descriptive of where we live today. All right, um, your turn. Any thoughts, any input? Now, Vince is gone, and if he's listening, I'm just saying that for his sake. I know he's home tonight. But anyway, uh, Vince has good points. Oh, I agree. Amen. I think it's very pronounced in our day. We, we don't know where we're at in the last days, but we know we're living in the last days. Um, who knows? We've been living in the last days for 2,000 years now, so maybe it'll go for a while yet. <laughs> who knows? But it definitely we see it. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts? All right. Let's have somebody read verses 8 and 9 here. Finish out here. 8 and 9. Who wants to read that? Oh, I'm sorry, Amy. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Janice and Jamboree's. You know these guys? We, what's that? We do now. <laughs> we do now. Uh, we don't know them from the scriptures. We know them from Jewish history, which is kind of interesting. It's like Paul is connecting with some Jewish history here under inspiration. Uh, these, according to Jewish history, were the two principal magicians in Pharaoh's court who took on Moses. Moses goes into Pharaoh's court, you know, and he's saying, let my people go, let the Hebrew people go, they're God's people, uh, they're Yahweh's people, and uh, here's a miracle to prove you, to prove to you uh, that I'm God's messenger and you should let them go. Well, these guys too were uh, able to do miracles. And so uh, they, they, uh, they, we read about this in Exodus 7 through 9. Now, uh, in verses 6 through 7, we see about these, uh, the emphasis is on the women who are led astray by the false teachers. But now here in verses 8 and 9, the emphasis is on the false teachers themselves. So, so that's what we have here. And uh, these false teachers who lead these women astray are characterized by Jannies and Jambres. Uh, they're the same type of rebellion that we have there. And you know what kind of rebellion you have with Jannies and Jambres, uh, the magicians in Pharaoh's court? You know what kind of, bold, uh, what kind of rebellion that was? It was very bold. It was very in your face. Moses, oh, we'll do it too. I mean, they weren't saying, oh, man, we, we submit. Uh, Yahweh is the true God. No, 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 no. They're coming right back. You're bold in your face with their own miracles. That's right, fake counterfeits. That's right, very bold, though, about it. They weren't bashful about it. They're very bold. And, that's, and notice it says, uh, as Jannies and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist or, or oppose the truth. Uh, they were hostile to the truth, and they were hostile to God's ordained leader in Moses. And that goes together. 
hostile to the truth, hostile to God-ordained leaders who are really representing the true God. Uh, that's what they were doing. Uh, false teachers always have a problem with authority. They have a problem with God's truth, and they have a problem with God's leaders who are giving out the truth. That's what you have here. Uh, they were resisting Moses. They were resisting the truth. Uh, but I want you to note that these, uh, these guys, they had real spiritual power. From the dark side, <clears throat> you know, there's, a, there's spiritual power in the spiritual realm. God's power, and then there's power uh, that Satan uses uh, through his uh, false teachers as well. Uh, let's see here. Recall that these magicians uh, openly took on Moses. Uh, when Aaron's rod became a serpent, they performed a similar miracle. But then Aaron's rod swallowed up there, showing the power of God is greater. Isn't that kind of funny? <laughs> okay, uh, you're turning your rods into serpents. I don't know how they did that stuff, but it's pretty convincing. Well, we can do it too. Well, then Aaron's gobbles theirs up. Okay. Uh, when Moses turned water into blood, the magicians did likewise. Oh, boy, how do they do that? Uh, satanic power. When Aaron stretched out his rod... Uh, and frogs covered the land, the magicians did likewise. But when Pharaoh asked Moses and Aaron to entreat the Lord to take away the frogs, showing once again the ultimate power is of God. So again, in each, in each case, God is shown to be the greater power. But I'm pointing out, it's not like they didn't have some power here. Uh, I think false teachers do have spiritual power. It's, not, it's of the dark side, though. It's deceptive. But when Aaron stretched out his rod and dust of the land became lice throughout the land of Egypt, the magicians could not do it, and they cried to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. They basically said capitulation. Uh, we acknowledge we can't do anything like this. It's too much. The point here is that these magicians had real spiritual power from the dark side, and to a point they were allowed to imitate the power of God. Satan's an imitator. Uh, the power of deception imitates the activity of God in a way that deceives you have to realize this is Satan's whole thing. He's a, he's a master deceiver. And things have not changed in that regard. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. So they claim, hey, we're Christ. We're, we're his authoritative representatives. No wonder Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So, wow, ministers of righteousness, they look so right. Apostles of Christ. But yet, um, it's all deception. It's all deception. That's the way these guys are here. Very deceptive. This is David Gazik. Uh, some of us are amazed by any spiritual power that is real without carefully thinking that real power may have a demonic source instead of a godly source. And even if a psychic or new age power seems to feel right, and boy, it can feel so right, we must not be seduced by it because demonic powers can come masquerading as angels of light. Boy, they sure can. Uh, if you're going by feelings and you don't know the word of God, you are in trouble. I mean, Satan can make you feel anything, feel very good. Uh, you know, I don't doubt these people are feeling some kind of peace. They're out here doing their, you know, whatever they're doing, their yoga stuff, and they're trying to get in peace with their inner self and all this. Well, I think there's some effectiveness to that. It helps people cope. It does bring down their blood pressure, makes them feel good. Yeah, you can feel good right into hell 
be totally deceived if you're not lined up with, with God's truth here. Well, last days, signs and wonders uh, are really uh, representing power of the devil. There is a wisdom that is earthly, sensual, and demonic, as James says in James 3.15. We are warned here in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, Spirit expressly says in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, you know, it's interesting. Where, where do you find deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons? I mean, do you go to a certain place where a demon is teaching? Uh, how do they propagate their, their, their doctrines and their deceptions? Uh, they do it through false teachers. I mean... Demonic activity works through false teachers. That's how it happens. Uh, Jesus said, many will say to me in, the day, in that day, judgment day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied your name? I mean, they, they, they were, I have the gift of prophecy. I have, let me prophesy to you. I have a message from God. Sounds really convincing. Many will say, we prophesied in your name. Cast out demons. We have a deliverance ministry. Please come to the forward, bring your wallet with you. Yeah, right. Cast out demons. I mean, they, they really believed they were doing this stuff. It looked real. And done many wonders. That, that, that's the word for miracles. I mean, you know, miracle-working ministries, big crusades, healing ministries, tremendous deception. Many are in this category. I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice laws. Many are in this category. The warning is not, uh, it's not uh, for no sake. I mean, there's, there, there's a tremendous concern here. Uh, so he says, men of corrupt minds. They got a mind problem, uh, depraved minds, degenerate minds, minds that are twisted, warped thinking. Depravity is a mind issue. Second Corinthians 4, 4, we see Satan has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. Ephesians 4.17, we see that the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. In Titus 1.15, we see that empty professors have their mind and conscience defiled. People in the bondage of sin have mind problems. Uh, they don't think right about reality, about spiritual reality, about ultimate reality. Uh, they have mind problems. It's a thinking issue. Really, the issue and great issue in life is who's going to control your mind? Uh, is it going to be the Holy Spirit through the Word of God? Is it going to be truth? Is it going to be deception? Satan's whole thing is deception. It's all about the, the mind. These are men of corrupt minds, uh, perverted thinking. Uh, they don't think right. And consequently dis disapprove concerning the faith. This is a description of unbelievers. Reject concerning the faith. They're not there. Uh, this is, by the way, this word disapproved is, is translated reprobate or debased in, in Romans 1.28, same word. It's the idea of being rejected uh, after being tested. Uh, tested and, and rejected. Uh, discarded, dis, disapproved. They don't have a saving faith. It's a counterfeit faith. Uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 13. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And hopefully you come on the other side and come through it, but do you not know that you yourselves, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you indeed you are disqualified? There's the word, disqualified. Unless you are shown to not be a believer. You don't pass the test. These here are disapproved concerning the faith. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God. No, they're professors all right. 
But in works they deny him. Ah, here, you know them by their fruits. Works they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. Disqualified, disqualified, disqualified. Here, disapproved concerning the faith. Well, how do we know? Uh, you know, what's, what's the faith about? Really, the, the key uh, issue is Jesus Christ. Disapproved concerning the faith shows that these people are wrong about Jesus. Uh, the key test in the New Testament concerning a genuine test of faith involves a person's heart view of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 John 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, in the teaching of Christ, what is true about Christ, does not have God. He abides in the doctrine of Christ as both the Father and the Son. So really, Christ is the central issue here, I think, in terms of being disapproved or approved concerning the faith. Okay, but then he says here, but they will progress no further. God allows it to go only so far. It has its limits. They're like a rabid dog on a chain. Go to the end of the chain, but no further. Um, what happened to these guys in, in back here, Jannies and Jambres? Well, uh, the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians <laughs> and all the Egyptians. <laughs> I like that. The magicians could not stand before Moses. I mean, they, they did their tit for tat. You know, they're working back and forth. Back. It got to a point there. The magicians couldn't stand before Moses. We got to get out of here. Yeah, they only went so far, and then it was brought down, no further. And so he says, the same thing's going to happen with these false teachers. God allows it to go so far, you'd kind of like to have a little more, wouldn't, wouldn't you hear? Because it goes on to say their folly will be manifest to all. How's it coming out? They're going to be exposed before everybody, these false teachers. It's interesting to see one false teacher after another fall, fall, fall. They, they, they only go so far, and, and they fall. They're, they're exposed before the true people of God. Uh, so that's the idea here. Uh, their, their conduct is terrible, as we've seen all the way through here, and eventually, even though they are deceptive and uh, they creep in, eventually it comes out. But God's truth endures uh, fall teachers will not ultimately prevail. Uh, but God's truth will. Uh, we are told to earnestly contend for the faith in the context of Jude, you know, in relationship to last days. Earnestly contend. We certainly need to earnestly contend against a, a lordless gospel that says it doesn't matter how you live, you can claim to be a Christian. Tremendous amount of that in these last days. Uh, here... Um, in this context, the emphasis is on false teachers making special inroads with weak women who stand outside the realm of God-ordained protection as found in godly male leadership. Satan's strategy in the last days is essentially the same as it was in the Garden of Eden. Satan has not changed, and neither has his strategy. He keeps running this play because it works so well. It's very effective. Let me give you just one example here, well-known example. Uh, there's a pretty famous, quote-unquote, pastor, false teacher, really. Uh, T.D. Jakes, a uh, famous author and pastor, has a large church in Dallas called Potter's House, boasts 30,000 members. Uh, in the 1990s, uh, Jakes began to focus on women in particular. He wrote his most famous book titled Woman Thou Art Loosed, which made him an instant hit with the feminist crowd. So, I mean, boy, this was, you know, <laughs> his claim to fame. 
right here. Boy, instantly started, the church started swelling. All kinds of people uh, embracing a little looser theology uh, started showing up. But then now a few years back, uh, he, Jakes came out in favor of LGBT, LGBT churches and said his position on gay rights was evolving. Uh, he said at that time that homosexuals should attend churches that affirm their lifestyle and said his position on homosexuality was uh, both evolved and evolving. Uh, boy, you know, you, you, you can see the progression. And it was evolving downward, not upward. Uh, let me ask you, do you think God's truth is evolving? No! God's truth doesn't change. I mean, what God has ordained for the church and in terms of leadership, and of course, there's always equal value. But there are distinction of roles. And when you put that aside, all of a sudden you start playing with, with the word of God and, and your view starts evolving. And pretty soon, uh, the role of sexuality evolves. And you get to the point where uh, Jake's uh, has come, which is really scary stuff. He's got all kinds of other problems, by the way. There's a problem with the Trinity. Uh, he is into what we call uh, modalism. You know, that uh, there's not uh, the Trinity as we know it. The, the three uh, are one. Uh, there's, just, there's three different ones. Sometimes it's, it's in this mode, sometimes in this mode, sometimes. So he's got all kinds of problems. It's reflected in lots of different ways. Last days are, what kind of times? They're perilous times. They're days of apostasy. Uh, they're testing times. They're, they're proving times. And, uh, you know, May God find us uh, among those who are approved concerning the faith, not disapproved. Uh, you have a huge amount of people out here in these last days perilous times who have a form of godliness, but at the end of the day, they are disapproved concerning the faith. He says, uh, of this sort are those who at the end of the day are disapproved concerning the faith. In the end, what really matters is where we're at concerning the faith. That was what really matters for time and eternity. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Okay, well, very good. We must have covered it thoroughly. All right, let's go ahead and share some prayer requests. I have prayer sheets are in the back. I have some up front here. Does anybody need a prayer sheet?